Thought Bubble Audio. Welcome back. We are here at the Loud Women Podcast. We are here talking about Shrill on Hulu. So we are here for you every week recapping each episode of the new season. And right now we are on season two. uh, We are on episode two. So I would say if you have not gone back, listen to episode one uh, and listen to some of our earlier podcasts. We recapped all of season one. If you want to if you want to go back and listen to some of that and get a sense of uh, of who we are and what we're talking about. So I am here with my co-host Tookie Kavanaugh and we are we're going to break down episode two for you. So Tookie, say hi. Hi. Hi, Marissa. Hi, listeners. Hello. Hello. We're, time. we're so happy to be back. Um, again, it was a long off season and we missed you guys. So we're so excited to be back here talking with you today. So we kicked off this show uh, in Vancouver with Annie's mom, uh, Vera, who is sort of exploring and she ends up in front of what clearly used to be an Indian restaurant and that she is now, is now a, a ladies clothing store. And she has what is what is the an exemplary moment of a midlife crisis, which is buying a ridiculous hat. And she is called to by that giant red ass big hat. And I was like, Oh, you are, you are having a crisis. Like that is clear to all of us now. What does it say about, um, the cultural shift in Vancouver that an Indian restaurant gets turned into a Talbot's? Like she, (laughs) it's not just gentrification. That's like a very specific type of gentrification where like the middle-aged women are coming in. And that's even scarier than the Starbucks. I mean, no, not to alienate our listeners, but like, I'm talking about, I'm talking about like, you know, the, hmm, the type of, the type of, the type of white lady who is like very welcoming, but looks at me funny Mm, (laughs) when I walk into, when I walk into the health food store. Like she's the first one to walk up to you and say that she would have voted for Obama for a third term if she could have. Like, it's very much like a get out moment where you're like, thank you for being nice, but also. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, no, no, madam, (laughs) you smell like patchouli. I want no part. Yep. So that is, that is what's the gentrification that seems to be happening in this, in this version of Vancouver. So we just got a quick little flash of Annie's mom setting the stage for later when she finally makes her routine. So then we're back uh, with Annie and Ryan after they had uh, an evening together and she's about to start her first day of freelancing. One of the things I wanted to mention here is that she is wearing uh, a dress from AD Bryant's line Pauline that she released <gasps> over the summer. Did you catch that? Oh, oh snap. Oh, snap. So, yeah, Look that, at that subtle plug. That purple, that purple dress that uh, Ryan said looked like a prison uniform is from AD's new fashion line. So, uh, cool little spot for the 80 Bryant fans in the house. Um, but I actually, that was another whole outfit that I really loved. Like I liked that look with the jacket on. So after she's having this conversation about freelancing with Ryan, she goes back downstairs, catches up with Emily and Fran. And um, they have just this delightful co- uh, conversation about Ryan being the cum king, um, which is the first moment of this episode that I like truly burst out laughing alone in my room because I was like that is the funniest shit I've ever seen and I want an entire episode of just like Annie and Fran being silly and riffing because 
It is super, super fucking funny. They're great. Their chemistry is great. Just the idea. I'm so repulsed by the character of Ryan. Just the idea <laughs> of him leaving DNA samples anywhere is so upsetting oh. to me on a visceral level. <laughs> Thank you. See, you gag. But you, you know gag. what I'm I liked, right. though? Right. It wasn't just about he's coming. She was very clear that he makes me come. So I call him the king of, of it. And I was like, well, you know what? At least she's getting hers. You know, he might be a disgusting human. But he is making sure her needs get met, as we saw the last episode, even with her two-day puss. I'm all for women getting pleasure, but just, like, why him? (laughs) And I just, well, you got to feel for Fran, then, because she has got to be the one that is, like, hearing the stuff through the very thin Portland walls of the home they share together. There is not a lot of privacy, and she is going to hear Ryan's noises. And that is a terrible way to start your day. I don't know if it's because of the fact that, like, I was raised Catholic and live in Puritan, Massachusetts, that I'm so repulsed by the sound of other people's busy making. It is. There's definitely something in the in the Puritan upbringing of Massachusetts because it, it deeply it deeply um, upsets me as well. Uh, so so that was just <laughs> like a sweet little moment that I loved. Again, love seeing their friendship. Always. We, we stand. Uh, so then you see. Uh, Annie going to the pharmacy bumps into both of her parents. And again, this is where I'm really interested to see what happens with her parents this season, because there is a very weird dynamic going on where her mom is definitely not existing in the same reality that the rest of us are. And she's like kind of lost it a little bit. And I think we're starting to get those like she's either happy or she's fully off the rails. Like it is one of the two. There is no in between. And I was thinking about last season and how she's so much of a caretaker and how much of a impact that takes on her life and her sanity. And so I think that's actually a really interesting subject to explore, especially considering this part really does mimic or this does imitate the, the Lindy West story and and her actual life where her dad was really sick and her mom was a caretaker. And I wonder if that's something that they're going to dig into, because I do think that that's an interesting storyline. Yeah, I mean, given the fact that there are eight episodes this season, I'm wondering, um, like you, I'm wondering what the arc is going to be, especially because it's like, I think part of that trip to Vancouver and reliving the memories of working in that restaurant and just being in that area and taking time for herself is like a moment for Vera to contemplate her own mortality, Mm. given that her husband is sort of, sort of has this expiration date looming over his head in a way mm. not to be all morbid about it and dark but it's like i, I think this is an, a, a slight glimpse an exploration of sorts into um when you get to the point where shit gets real where mm-hmm. the human body starts to break down and you wonder about like long-term final care sort of kind of ish. yeah i i think it's you know one of the things they do really well in this show is they tell so many different kinds of stories and i think this is something that is a story that isn't told that often because it's it's often a female specific story i think not to speak super generally but like women very often ends up end up being the caretakers for their parents or their spouses or all of these types of things and there's so much that happens when you have that kind of pressure put upon you and you are your life isn't about you it's about somebody else and so um, I would love, I think you're, yeah, you're right. With eight episodes, there's a little bit more space to tease out some of these stories. And I think this would be an interesting one that doesn't get talked about too often. So um, into it. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know. Sad note. Sad note on the podcast. I mean, we don't usually get this dark, but like they 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 touched on, um, you know, abortion last season and this season. Is it going to be end of life care? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, because we if you read the book, you know what happens with Lindy West's family. So are they going to explore that? Mm -hmm. Because that's these are these are both very human things. These are very human experiences. Yeah, exactly. And I and I seeing how they've handled all these issues so far, I fully trust them to handle all of these with sensitivity and care. And so um, we'll see. We'll see how that continues to pan out throughout throughout the season. So um, so after we have this awkward run in at the pharmacy with her parents, uh, Annie pops back into the office to like get her stuff. She finds out about Amadi's promotion. They had a nice little interaction. Nothing super groundbreaking happened there either i'm always happy when i get to see amadi happy because he is a gem and i love him um but that was it for that scene any any thoughts uh what did he say he was did was that in, within that scene he's promoted to creative director Creat- yes exactly he's a creative director go amadi making moves i know right like i like that he took on that job because gabe didn't want to be the bad guy but you know what if he can get a raise, he's got two little girls. He's got a wife. He's a good family man. Get that money. Take care of that family. Respect. Good for you. Sec- secure the bag, Amadi. Secure the bag. <laughs> so after after that, we uh, we go back to, to Fran and Annie's house. Um, and Emily is telling Fran that uh, Vic is in a real, is in a relationship Ugh. with somebody else. And yeah, how did I, my heart. Okay. Okay. So, so as I was saying earlier. Maya, like I said, in 2020, we prioritize Yoni health. And I fully believe that my Yoni chakra predicted that some shit would go down with Fran. But I presume that because of Fran's fuckboy history, if you if you will, uh, that she would be the one to fuck it up. I did not expect the player to get played. Fran is out here heartbroken and I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. I was thinking about this, how last episode, and guys, this is why we are not binge watching and recapping them all at once. We are going one at a time. And so we are putting out our projections and we are wrong sometimes. Like, yes, last episode, Tookie was like, Fran's going to fuck it up. Fran's a fuck boy. But no, Fran was like living out, living her life, being a pure angel, doing her best. And then she finds this shit out. And I was so sad for her, but I love this journey for her get a little growth little you know i think when she heard annie call her the female ryan i think that like really fucking hurt her feelings and so i think that paired with like this experience and we're gonna start to see her like see a little growth you know what i mean that's a treat i i never i never said fran wasn't a a a great person is that you know because she's a complex three-dimensional character she's a she's like a great person but with like some fuckboy habits right so mm-hmm. i <laughs> oh i just i didn't i i thought i saw it coming but i didn't see it coming i truly i truly did not and then i'm sad because now i feel like that means she's maybe written off the show and then we're not gonna see her anymore because we saw her fran just like block her from her phone she deleted her and i kind of appreciate i kind of liked the well she's dead so we can never talk to her ever again i was like you know what <laughs> Fair. I totally got that. Been there. Good for you for having restraint. I, oh, yeah, that is, that's an approach. That's an approach. As someone who's done swiping. <laughs> it's a move. Uh, up until I found my person. It's a mess. <laughs> it's a mess. And they're just, 
you never know whose number you're just going to have to mm, casually forget. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have been, I have been a perpetrator of some new phone who dis mm. from time to time. Mm-hmm. So I, I felt, I felt Fran in that regard. It was just, you, your heart just broke for her. Like she just was not, she was not prepared for that. And, um, even though Emily said, uh, every time we go out, you run into, we run into like at least three people you've had sex with. And Portland is probably a pretty small city and there's probably a relatively small scene there, but France fucked a lot of people. So it'll be interesting to see how this, this sort of hits her over the next couple episodes. Oh, well, I I was just going to say, I was just going to say, given that we touched on it from episode one last time, uh, what is the Fran equivalent of dropping dick around town? Ooh, um, like leaking puss. That sounds like damn. Puss. Okay, <laughs> that sounds like that sounds puss? like you should call your OBGYN. But <laughs> yeah, that's actually a really good question. What is the Fran equivalent? Like, like, like we'll no. we'll think on it. I feel like I've got my Puritan side is coming out now. I'm like I can't. I don't know. Ah. I, I I said I said puss and I'm already like that was enough. <laughs> <laughs> See, we we grow. We're 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 growing as a result True. of the show. Yeah, so if you uh if you have an answer to our question, uh you know, please uh email us loudwomenpod at gmail dot com. What's the equivalent of ladies dropping dick around town? Very good question, compelling question as always. <laughs> so uh we go back to the office and see my favorite human on this entire show ruthie who has commandeered all of annie's (laughs) personal items which this scene exists for no reason other than just to like make you love ruthie uh which she's she's acquired all of annie's photos uh we find out she's both trans and a veteran uh which thank you for your service ruthie love that backstory for her really would like to get more into it that sounds fascinating uh she is very much bizarro uh, what's her face from Parks and Recs? I'm April, oh, Ludgate. April Ludgate. There we go. That's yeah, she's Bizarro person. April Ludgate. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, what? <laughs> like, the, the thought of someone like that working in my office at the day job it frightens me. Ruins. And she just whips you with that ponytail. And I'm just like, I love it. I love it. I would watch a whole spinoff of Ruthie. Ruthie and Amati and their new journey as work husband and wife. I would watch every episode and podcast about that show. That is how much I am here for it. Ruthie scares me. Not that I don't love the character, but she scares the shit out of me. <laughs> and I'm not afraid of much. Okay. I will punch a crocodile. I will fist fight a bear, but I won't fuck with Ruthie. That's, I think that's, I respect that. I res- fully respect that. So then your other favorite person, Gabe rolls in, um, and we get this really terrible, awkward confrontation where Gabe is basically giving her shit for, leaving and not having an audience anymore and the reason i felt so cringy about this is because he was right and she still hasn't Mm. really realized it yet that like he she thinks she can just like go off and do her own thing and like publish stuff on her own and i'm like how do you not understand how this works like you work in media you can't just think that you can start a blog and it's going to be as successful. You don't have a built-in audience. You don't know how to do marketing. Like this doesn't just happen. And so I'm sort of like, Oh, you're, you could have done this a little bit better. I think also part of his attitude is the fact that he, I, I, I mean, for however amount of time uh, that he's been Gabe, 
not just, you know, a human, but Gabe, the whatever ethereal creature, uh, <laughs> otherworldly being that he uh, purports himself to be because he's been doing it 20 years and mm. he invented feminism. So I think <laughs> in his time of being Gabe, he's never had anyone stand up to him like that. And I think that is a source of great discomfort for him. So it's like, it's not that he's not wrong about um, Annie having it uphill starting from scratch and zero with her new blog. But like she, she told him, take your thorn and shove it. Mm -hmm. So I think he's, um, I think he's a little intimidated. I think he might be a little freaked out. I definitely, I think he's like resting on his, I think you're right. I think he's resting on his laurels that like he's going to be right and she's going to fail because she doesn't have the sort of structure she needs to succeed. Um, but I do think that you're right that that she's she's scared him a bit, especially because he's she's someone that he's written off so much because of her weight and other reasons. Um, it's sort of scary for her, him to see somebody like that, that he's so traditionally looked down upon, actually turning around and, and biting back at him. So that's why I felt like it was so cringy for me. It was because I was like, oh, I do think he's right in some ways, but like, obviously I'm still on her side and he's a giant piece of shit. But like, oh, this is an mm. uncomfortable moment. Yeah, there is a shift in the power dynamic because traditionally, in at least in media portrayals, a woman and a larger woman is not someone with power and she took power in that position so it was just yeah i think that 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 she's shaking the table she does the, <laughs> as, as the kids say it's true and i do so, think they're they're he doesn't I, I wonder how this is going to play out you know what i mean like i'm curious to see if she's going to end up coming back if she's gonna you know they're still they're introducing new characters at the office which i found interesting like they brought those mm. two guys in that hadn't had speaking parts before and so the fact that they're building out the characters in that office i'm like hmm i wonder i wonder if that means she's gonna come back or if there's gonna be some sort of a return but that's just uh right angus yeah was, angus and the other one with with jaundice i don't know i don't remember his name yes the but he, is he okay those two gentlemen, those two gentlemen. Um, so yeah, so I, I, I think we're going to continue to see uh, your favorite skunk haired Kate plus eight imitator. Um, oh, God. <laughs> I think he's going to stick around for a while. So mm -mm. this is where my, I, I really start to get excited this episode because she charges straight into, we see, we see Beck Bennett again. She charges straight into Kevin's office. Uh, this is the, her troll. Uh, that she confronted at the end of last season. She just walks right into his office. And now I need to say something as somebody that works in the tech marketing, you know, startup community. I know Kevin. Okay. We all know Kevin. We know Oof. like seven Kevins. This guy who is sitting at the front of the conference room, like, let's throw the ball around and say words that make us think of gum. Like gum is fun. And then leaves the room after like cheering on women in the most disingenuous way and uh and then he goes home and he like is a fucking chauvinistic asshole on the internet like those people are real these guys who are like performative feminists in real life and then they go home and they are um psychopaths online so i absolutely loved this this portrayal and us seeing the work side of kevin yeah uh kevin also probably smells like patchouli and wants to touch my hair just like uh <laughs> just like the, the middle-aged lady i was mentioning at the top i of think the kevin would be like 
I just really respect the the exotic nature of your look and I just want to know more about where you're from like he totally would corner you at a party and ask you about the black experience he's every he's every uber driver who before I got my hair done like this uh if you if you are near a computer look up Senegalese twist that's the current style it's great low maintenance love it uh if I wear my hair au naturel I get occasionally asked if I'm Italian but like the day after I got my hair done in twists i get into an uber to head to a show and this guy is like you know that's a really ethnic hairstyle Uh and i was like (laughs) and so the memory of that was stirred back up just with the look of kevin's face like he would say that you can you can just see him you can see him doing all of all of these bad things you can that's all you need to know watching him toss that ball around and talk about gum you're like I know exactly who you are, Kevin. So I loved when she she showed up and bangs on the glass and he just screams like, what the fuck? I just it was such a satisfying, just satisfying seeing the pure fear in his eyes. And I think like anyone who's ever been harassed by a man online or in person or felt attacked in a professional setting by a man, I felt like that was really therapeutic for all of us. Like I felt in that moment as if I was Annie scaring the shit out of some mm. guy that was an asshole so i just little chef's kiss little moment it was like a little little gift and i i appreciated it um his his pure rage is is deeply satisfying um and she reminds us here of some specifics of what he said um you made fun of my dad for having cancer which is again something that was uh, in the source material was in yes. Lindy West's book. This was really drawing straight from her experience. And this again starts to get back into Lindy West's experience with this, these trolls and is calling back to the interview that she did for, I believe NPR with her troll when she had somebody who was imitating her dead dad on the internet, her dad who had died from cancer. So um, we're starting to actually dip our toe back a little bit into some of the pieces from the from the book shrill that we didn't cover in season one. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Yeah. So I, we sort of kind of predicted that they would touch on um, the confrontation of the troll maybe in season two, just because season, season one ended so abruptly. And uh, season one was uh, so heavily referencing the source material and Lindy West's memoir. And it's like, oh, how are they going to handle that? How are they going to handle the troll, like confronting the troll? How are they going to portray the troll? How are they going to um, n- n- novelize, cinematize? What's the word? How are they going to show us those moments uh, from from her memoir, from her life story where she actually steps to this guy? And how, how, do, how, do they, how are they going to portray the way in which the guy attacked her because his because uh, her father is still very much alive in the series so it's like are they gonna draw it out more do we see what happens to the character of bill her dad on the show i'll be interested to see how they play that out too because i got the sense from their conversation once they got outside that that kind of might be it um you know he was really really hesitant and and not helpful in a conversation with her at all and then eventually she was sort of like you know what I think I kind of get your whole deal like I kind of understand what's happening here so I think we'll see what that looks like ultimately um you know we might see some more about the piece that she writes but I kind of have a feeling this might be it which is 
I hope it's not because I do think this is a really interesting dynamic. Um, and I think it was a really important part of Lindy West's experience. And I think it's it's a really um, it rings true to both of us. It's something that we care about is this idea of how women are treated on the Internet. So I think this might be it for this guy. But I hope that this is something that they continue to to dig into because it is such an interesting subject. Absolutely. I think I think their confrontation outside is pro- might possibly my favorite moment of the show especially because it seemed like the irony was completely lost on kevin about like well you just came and like you just attacked me and you're just like in my space and it's just like mean and i'm like do you not see that she's keeping that same energy with you she's giving you exactly a dose of your own medicine and how much it sucks to be on the receiving end of that yeah i like when he was like how did you find me and she's like the internet like and he's like oh yeah but yeah exactly <laughs> how you found her and were harassing her it's the same thing um but i i hated that he got like the one of the last little upper hands where uh, where she mentioned that it was going to be on her blog. And he was like, oh, so this isn't even a real thing. And she's like, fuck you. It's a real thing. Fuck you. And I, I was like, oh, damn it. I'm so mad that he like got that satisfaction of her kind of feeling a little bit insecure about where it was going. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I did love that his, his like defenses were down at the end of the conversation. And he tried to hug her. And when she's just like, I'm not going to hug you, you fucking psycho. I was so glad because I think so often in this type of when this type of um, confrontation is shown and it's like a woman is confronting the man who did her wrong, you see the woman ultimately getting to see the man's, you know, softer side and you understand why he's suffering and it's hard for him. And so then she forgives him and they move on and they live happily ever after. And I, I was glad that this was a tiny little rebellion against that, like, narrative where she was just like no fuck off i'm not hugging you like do not hug me i'm not touching you and it was like i can treat you like a human but like we're not friends it's not all good this is this is over i'm i'm really glad they didn't tyler perry his redemption arc i'm so glad because that would have been absolutely because there's always yeah because there's always some shit where a man does wrong and a long-suffering woman eventually forgives him and i'm just really glad they didn't exactly and that's how it's just those little moments where you remember like oh yeah the producing team and writing team on this is primarily women and so it's those little things that you notice when women are making your entertainment anyway more female writers please so we then see Fran back at, we see Amy, uh, Annie and Fran back at the house uh they sleep until five in the afternoon which respect um a funny little moment i don't know if anyone caught it was fran is lying in bed and has a giant bottle of tums on the bedside table and i was like that is a whole mood that is a whole late 20s mood uh keep that big old bottle of tums by my bed i get it fran (laughs) i see you um and then we you know she's talking she starts to talk to annie about you know vic having another girlfriend and we definitely see at this point she's started to internalize this whole situation. She's starting to look at her own behavior and really feel like, oh shit, this is how other people feel when I treat them like shit. Maybe I need to change my behavior a little bit. And it's nice to sort of see that evolution a little bit. And I'm just really happy that they're not showing her toughing out the breakup. Again, they're not Tyler parrying the story where it's like a black woman has to be strong through the heartache like no 
this is a very vulnerable moment for Fran, where we see the fuckboyishness melt away a little bit, and where we see her like, hey, I maybe I was acting in my own self-interest this whole time, but if I'm going to bring other people into my life and be serious, now is the time to uh, act in their interest, mm-hmm. their best interest. Yeah, you're totally so. right. You know, we've been talking about this all along about how Fran is written like a three-dimensional person, not the standard best, you know, best friend sidekick, you know, and there's, there's, this is a really good example of that. You know, this could have been really, um, done in a way that was very flat and two dimensional and they actually gave her some real, um, growth, but in a way that's like showing pain and feeling in a way that, you know, as you've mentioned a couple times, like black women are not normally given that on television. You don't get to see that more vulnerable side. It's they they have to be tough, but no, this is her showing a whole range of human emotion. What an amazing concept. Yes. I mean, she did it to herself essentially. <laughs> it's, but, true. it's true. It's <laughs> true. But but like finally a woman of color who gets to be the damsel in distress. Exactly. And who needs a friend to be there. Exactly. You know, cuz we can't always be the ones supporting. So boom there i and i and i love it uh as as uh the cool kids say we love to see it <laughs> we do we love to see it so at the end of this conversation they're talking about going out going to see emily's show um the wonderful line you don't need another lesbian in this town against you especially one that deals weed and that again a whole mood uh so Annie agrees, uh, Fran agrees to go to the show with Annie if she wears the Christmas present from Fran, which, what a beautiful reveal, is a bra of some kind with hearts on the nipples, and um, that's a great Christmas gift from a friend. I, uh, as soon as I saw that flash on the screen, I let out a very loud, a very audible, damn, <laughs> and my fiance came rushing into the room <laughs> thinking I had injured myself. <laughs> I... I mean, I did in the best way with them titties. Shout out to eighty. Those Brian. are giant breasts. I would like to know, again, where all the lingerie on the show comes from, because as a woman who also has that uh, challenge, uh, they don't make cute bras for this size, and somehow AD Bryant has found them. So I would like to also know, maybe not this one specifically for me, again, uh, Puritan, Massachusetts, but uh, it gets really cold here. We can't wear that out. But uh, love it. Respect it. I... Um, I like when Fran points out, I love the little hearts. And Aidy just goes, they're my nipples. I just, their friendship is so beautiful. And I just need to see more of the two of them interacting. Because it's so, it's just like, the, you can just hear the two actresses like bullshitting around like that. I I love the fact that this show is proving to everyone everywhere that um, heart-shaped nipples are not just for the 32B sort. So true. But we really need, but we really need, where's wardrobe? We have to talk. I need information. That's so true. It was, it's just such a beautiful, I, I want to buy that bra. I need that. Um, so I loved, I loved then how they introduced us to this like nightclub vibe. Clearly this is like, uh, they, they sort of alluded to the fact that this is like an LGBTQ community, like n- evening at this club. Um, this moment to me mm-hmm. felt very much like a, uh, similar vibe to the pool party episode where it was just like, yes, they, they really took their time in setting the scene and having a moment with a lot of these different extras in the background and really getting a sense of like, here's all these people from incredibly different walks of life, different gender expressions, just all the sizes, body types, etc., 
and just enjoying themselves and like not being inhibited by anything, by any expectations, um, just being able to wear what they want, express themselves the way they wanted. And I just was, I, I found the time and care they took with that to be really delightful. Yeah. I mean, it, ugh, so many bodies, beautiful bodies everywhere. Ass, titties, fupa. Cause we're celebrating the mm, fupa in 2020, uh, uh, of any gender, whatever. Right. I, I, Oh, this was, this was a scene just to see so many people. And I'm just like, yeah, it, in a space, so many people of so many backgrounds. And so, and as you said, so many gender expressions in a space, feeling free, mm. feeling like, nobody's going to bust in and spoil the party and, you know, kill the vibe. Um, they're just, just free to exist as they are and, um, free to accept themselves and each other without the scrutiny of the outside straight worlds. Cause we heteros, I'm, 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 I'm just going to speak for all the heteros right now. Uh, we kind of, we're kind of terrible. <laughs> it's true. It's, there's something just so beautiful about seeing that, that happiness and, and, and like freedom. And I think now that we've seen this a couple of times in the show, it's clear that this is something that's like important to them to do these type of scenes where you really get to see these different types of people living in their own bodies and enjoying their lives. And um, and it's just really it's it's a very it's a different tone than we see in a lot of TV and movies. We don't see a lot of that, like taking the time to just witness human joy and pleasure and happiness mm -hmm. and um, I just think that's really, I just think that's special and cool. So it's great. That was a great intro to the scene. I loved everyone dancing, having a great time. Um, we saw a little snippet of Emily's performance um, and then went into this final performance. I, so this performance of God only knows I, I died. Like I love that song. First of all, that rendition was stunning and so i was like i don't even know who this person is but we are officially a stan account this is i am this is all that matters is this so um i looked them up peter smith uh they're a comedian singer uh based in the new york area one of the things i love about this show is that the producers writing team etc make such an effort to showcase really different performers that we don't see like a lot of really cool up-and-coming performers um that clearly like the team, somebody on the team loves them and just wants to showcase them in, in these really special moments. Um, and I just think that's really cool. Like anyone that you see getting screen time on the show is somebody, right? Like they have somebody, something really interesting in their, in their background. They have a cool story. So, um, you know, make it a point as you're watching through to just like do a quick Google of who these people are, because there's some really strong comedians, really interesting performers. So, um, so yeah, this is Peter Smith who did the, the song, they are incredible, and um, I'm now following them on social media because I'm obsessed, and I want a full album of their covers. So that's my little rant. And I really appreciate. Oh, nope, that's I'm sorry, it. That's but yeah, rant. I was gonna say, I uh, I really appreciate the fact that they sang in a key that is accessible to a contralto like myself because I definitely sang along and felt comfortable belting those oh, notes. So right. thank you, thank you, Peter. Fellow fellow alto here, loved it. No, but seriously, I mean that I, I hope that shows up on a soundtrack or something for this show because it was beautiful. So so the song itself, the performance was amazing. And then, you know, I'm curious to hear what you think about Annie and Fran's reaction to it, because clearly they took their time with this. Like this was probably the last two mm. minutes of the show was this song. Um, and 
it was we were really supposed to see the two of them like experiencing a range of emotions and I think it's up for interpretation exactly what those meant but you know I think there was like the the first layer of obviously it was you know Fran's sort of thinking about her romantic situation it was sort of implied that 80 might as well but it also felt like this little love letter to their friendship and their like relationship the two of them when they just sort of are like holding hands on the table and you know the lyrics just like god only knows what i'd be without you like it's such a sweet sentiment not just for romantic partners but like for the relationship the two of them have together and so i just got all i got all in my feels Uh, i think you said everything that needed to be said about that i i think you nailed it right there i just um yeah this is a i mean I think the show, because like we said, it's, it's represent, it, it makes an effort to take care for representing, um, people at the intersections of race, size, uh, gender, sexuality, whatever the case. Um, but it's more woman leaning and it's really nice to see two women from like entirely different worlds just find, um, something in common and it, it's not like uh like you said it's not romantic but like a, fr- a friend love a lady love mm-hmm. being there for each other right i ugh, i ugh, it melted my little grinch heart <laughs> it did it was it was, it was so nice it was so well done because it, it really could have easily just been <sighs> implied this sort of surface level like oh well annie's thinking about ryan and fran's thinking about vic and they're you know they're their love stories, but it's, there's so much more to that. And the show isn't that simple. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I sort of loved that moment where it became clear that it was like, without hitting you over the head with it, it was sort of like, oh, there's a lot of love in these characters' lives. And um, it was just really sweet and beautiful. Nice way to end the episode. Was, uh, I'm, I'm getting verklempt thinking Aww. about it. But yeah, I know. I know. I'm a big softie. I, I got to stay hard in these streets. It's the whole thing. <laughs> but <laughs> the mean streets of Massachusetts, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. It's just really nice to see friendship between two women. Uh, that's not contrived. That's not, uh, this cook. I mean, I, I might be shitting on, I might alienate, I might alienate a portion of the audience, but it's really nice to see friendship between women. That's not the HBO show girls. That's entirely true. It's not just like, rich upper class white women and their very simple problems no offense to lena dunham but all the offense to lena dunham i mean i watched every episode like i'm not gonna lie like i did i was on the girls train but i also recognize deeply problematic and not the only way to show a genuine female friendship and not even a very good way to be honest they kind of hated each other i mean like i know i'm problematic but like throw lena dunham under the jail anyway so i love the friendship between those two and i love the portrayal of their friendship and how it their real life like kindred spiritness oozes through the acting so true because in a lot of moments it's not just acting and I, i love it i know i love i love that little tidbit too that Allie rushfield mentioned when we interviewed her last season is that the two of them adi and um Edie and Lolly are actually like really, really close. And I'm obsessed with that because again, female supporting females. So any last minute thoughts on this episode, Tookie? That was about it from, uh, from the recap side. I, uh, I, the writing is so sharp. 
and so good and just uh, all these characters even even uh, a character like emily who we only get a, a a glimpse of feels like a real 3d person and not just uh an accessory or um uh what should, what, what do you call it the thing in an anglais uh the thing <laughs> when you add a character to the story to just kind of for the purpose of the story arc and not just yeah i know what as, you mean yeah exactly like you know our our emily exists to be like an actual person living in this world not just someone to further a narrative so um yes i did i did love that new addition too i like emily a lot um yeah it was all these characters it's like they're there for a reason they're there because they're human beings they're not just sort of background you know so it's nice um and special thank you. I love watching background extras in shows. And I just I just want to give a special thank you to the uh, the woman up top, the Asian woman uh, at, at, who was exiting the Talbots in Vancouver, who just gave the the meanest, just the oh, the most cutting side eye. She did to Annie's mom. She was not interested. <laughs> she was like, no, I don't know. Leave me alone. I'm just trying to buy my like my Talbots tunics okay she just wants to buy chino pants in peace exactly. lady like i lived for that look on her face it was it was a really good that was a really good moment there um all right so guys i think that's it for episode two of season two of shrill so Tookie and i will be back next week with our recap of episode three in the meantime if you have questions if you think we were wrong if we said something stupid or something great shoot us an email at loudwomenpod at gmail.com if you have your own thoughts we would love to read them on the podcast so shoot us a note uh you can oh yeah, and rate us on itunes i know we have been you know historically we were trying not to push too too hard on the ratings but it does make a difference and so now that we are well into our second season uh we would love to have other folks who watch shrill find our episodes and our podcasts so um even if you can just give us a quick little star rating uh you don't if you don't have time to fill in a note that's fine um just the star rating really helps out so take the time to do that uh follow us on social media at loud women pod on twitter and instagram uh, I am at hi, this is Marissa. Tookie is Miss Tookie, uh, excuse me, Tookie is just Tookie Monster. The mess is me editorializing. Uh, and uh, that's about it for today. So thanks for chatting with me, Tookie. Always good to see your face. It's always good to see you. Uh, thank you for all this. I'm going to go back to my pillow fort. Thank you to our listeners. Amazing. Keep watching along. Yes, it's I am I'm a grown ass woman with a pillow for it and there is no shame. There in that. isn't. No uh, shame twenty twenty. Yeah. Final message to the listeners. Thank you. We love you. Uh take care of your Yoni. This goes for all genders. And uh drink more water. Yes. Be safe. Bye. We love you. Bye.